we have to be able to cut through the clutter and the way we cut through the clutter is making it relevant and personalized. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Doug C. Brown with me, and we're going to talk about mastering your sales follow-ups. Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Just by way of introduction, Doug Brown is a highly acclaimed sales revenue growth expert and an internationally best, international best-selling author. He has coached, consulted, and advised thousands of people in businesses, and he has generated over $500 million in sales. His mission is to help companies grow their sales revenue and have better performing sales teams. So let's jump into it. Uh, Doug, tell me, why is following up so important in sales? Well, I mean, there's an old adage out there, um, Steve, that says, you know, the fortunes in the follow-up, which is, you know, the old adage, but really the new adage is uh, it's a common courtesy and people expect it. And, you know, without that, then we're breaking rapport and we're dropping uh, sales. (laughs) What that would have happened. Um, So that's primarily, you know, what it is. It also is a form of leverage for uh, salespeople, especially, you know, outside salespeople. I mean, they're running around all over the place. So if they can have something automated that's relevant and humanized and uh, they can speak to one another, uh, a lot of times it'll bridge a sale and pick up sales that were lost. And you mentioned automated there. What what methods of communication are best when following up and, and, you know, should that be customized, automated, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, you, the, the short answer of it is templatize everything you can and then make it uh, relevant to the client. So a lot of times you can have uh, templated stuff going out, but you don't want it to seem like it's not applicable or not relevant to the client or the potential buyer. So, you know, you can customize a couple of lines and just, you know, put something in. I mean, hey, it was nice speaking with you last time. Uh, you know, I hope your twin children, you know, eight and eight, uh, boy and girl are doing well, you know, uh, just something simple as that, you know, um, in, in that, and then in the template, then you can just let it fire off. So certain softwares will allow you to actually do this and do it automatically, um, but uh, others will queue it up, you know, um, and so automating it as much as possible is really important. Otherwise it won't get done. And uh, what, me- what about the methods? What, what are the, the means of follow-up? What do you think it's best? A, a phone call, an email, a, a letter, a, a carrier pigeon? What do you, what do you recommend? <laughs> well, carrier pigeons would actually be different enough to get the attention for sure. So um, multimodality always works best. Some, certain people prefer, oh, today, you know, text messaging, right, over email, and some prefer email, some prefer phone calls, some, you know, it just depends on the particular person, and um, what I found is you spread it out, you know. Um, some people like LinkedIn, for example, right? They love to communicate on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a lady from Australia. She, that's her preferred mode of communication, so I'll send anything to her via LinkedIn and then back it up with email. But so multimodality usually hits the, hits what they're looking for in one capacity. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. But one trick I've always used is 
ask them what you know as part of the meeting ask hey what, what's the best way for me to follow up with you here what 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 do you how do you like to communicate and then they give you the way and it's almost like that that's prepping them to be expecting the communication and then it, it also kind of because they told you what the best way was they're kind of jerks if they don't like respond to it and pay attention to it so if they say if they <laughs> sure. say email and then just you know don't don't do anything with your email then it's uh it's not as cool as if you were just randomly reaching out over different over different modalities yeah and and i think you bring a really good point up which is you know there is a dominant preferred method that most people like to communicate so once you understand that you can you know go in that direction I still use multimodality with certain people anyways, because if they won't respond to email, a lot of times they'll respond to something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I usually respond to things like text messages by saying, please don't text me, email me. <laughs> 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 um, so uh, what, what, what about timing? How do you think about and how do you approach timing? What role does that play in follow-ups? Well, I mean, if they're absolutely adamant about not having contact, then we should respect that to a certain degree. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, about timing or ask about how much follow-up should I actually do? And if it's relevant to and valuable to them, then you can follow up as often as you want and um, in any uh, duration that you want. So timing there is, is usually immediate. The quicker you can respond to somebody, so let's say we walk out of our first meeting, for example, right? And don't make the mistake that we're the only person that would be in that meeting, right? In other words, they might have other companies that they're coming right after us uh, or before us. I always like to present last if possible. Um, Why is but, that? Why do you prefer last? Uh, because I, I, they've already been through the, the gambit of things. I know if they're still interviewing me, they haven't found the, A, found the person, number one, and B, um, they've already got a lot of other questions that are prepped. So for me, it works out to go last. Um, everybody, you know, prefer, some people prefer first choice so they can head them off. Right. I always look in, in my business, I look for qualified people to work with, not just any old lead. Right. So, um, but yeah. So, uh, what was the question? I'm sorry. You asked me a second question. Uh, the role, the role timing plays, uh, in yeah. follow up. So, oh yeah, yeah. So if we're doing it outside and let's say they have five or six meetings that day with, with different people, we don't even know that, but the quicker that we get back to them, because I can promise anyone listening to this podcast that over half of the people who go to those meetings will never follow up at all. It seems crazy, but it's true. They'll, they'll follow up or someone will follow up in two or three days, right? So if we're constantly in the top of mind with the client, and, you know, I, I've had people say that and like, man, you followed up with me pretty quickly. And I say, oh, yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm sure that everyone else that you're talking with has done the same, have they not? And so it'll be like, um, no. Oh, well, that's kind of rude, don't you think? Yeah, I do think it's rude, you know, that type of thing. Um, well, you know, if you like the service you're getting on the front end here, you're going to love once you, uh, you know, invest with us and, and move forward on, on what we're talking about. So. It's, it's really setting the frame and continuing to, to foster that frame through. So timing immediately is better than waiting time after time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think a follow-up should be the, that same day or the next day. I mean, if, if uh, they told you to wait till the end of the week, I mean, that's one thing, but I think that day or the next day, even if it's a short and sweet type thing, sure. um, 
And, and what about uh, the frequency of follow-ups and how often, how often, and over what what period of time? What, what's the what should the cadence look like going forward for following up with your with your prospect? So the cadence in the beginning, like if we're if we're using follow-up as a cadence to actually get an appointment. I like a 21 day cadence most of the time, but it depends on the, on what the client's selling. Right. So mm -hmm. usually within 21 days of doing some really expert type follow-up, you'll get an appointment or you won't. I mean, it's, it's, that's been what I, my experience, you know, but I followed up with people for two years before I got the first appointment. Now, some people might be saying, well, that's crazy, but you know, the first client that I worked with through this client was NASCAR. So it was well worth the two year wait. Um, and so I, it's, it's really about having relevant follow-up and then following up is not, you know, not as much of a concern on how many times you follow up. If, you, if we can constantly be providing value and the person's going, yeah, geez, I'm looking forward to seeing the next thing come forth, then you can send something to people, you know, I would not do this in a corporate uh, setting, but you, know, you can send something two, three times a day sometimes. I wouldn't personally do that. But, you know, uh, I've emailed people or texted them or called them, you know, every day for a couple of weeks, you know, while we're in the process of, of doing that. Just And by the way, follow-up doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be something that's masterful, right? It's, it's got to be something that's relevant. So, you know, I've sent an email as simply as, you know, hey, Steve, I was just thinking about you and your, na you know, your name came to my head. And I was just wondering how you're doing today. And it's something as simple as that. I've gotten so many responses from simple little messages like that. Um, it, you know, however, it can't continue like that in the business setting. It's also got to be a balance between that and what the what the, the mission is on on the on the engagement of conversation. Yeah, I I really agree with you. And and you said you know relevant. You have to follow up in a in a, in a, in a cadence that you can be relevant. And I and I would I would add that it's really important to, to provide value. Like your, your communications have to be seen as valuable, like something that they would look forward to, like, Oh, I got sure. an insight. I, I invested the two minutes to read that guy's email. I learned something. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I think we, we're all humans. We know the difference between annoying and valuable. Right. And I think a lot of people, uh, well, maybe we don't all know what that means, but, it, <laughs> but, but like, you know, if, the, if, if the, you know, if, if there's, if they're not getting value and they're kind of indicating that they're not getting value, maybe you want to slow the cadence down. It doesn't just cause you're not able to email them every day. doesn't, or talk to them every day. doesn't mean the deal is not, not doing fine. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's not the cadence that they're on or the speed different. I think different, different products, different services have different cadences that the sales cycle is going to close over. There's less urgency or more urgency. I mean, obviously if you're, you know, buying a house and putting an all cash offer in, then there's daily communication. Whereas if you're buying airplane engines, maybe it goes, you know, two weeks before since the last time you've yeah. uh, chatted with the buyer. But it's all about keeping top of mind, right? Because it, it, whatever the duration is, uh, Jay Levinson, who wrote a book series called Guerrilla Marketing, told me that it takes nine impressions upon the brain for somebody to remember the name of the company and the person they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, now, yeah. What, what, what he told me, though, is it takes usually two and sometimes three views to actually get one impression. Mm. So, yeah, especially from a marketing perspective, I think early on, you know, before they really engage with your company, it, it, it takes a lot to make an impression that sticks. 
it, it's critical in that component. And, and after the engagement goes, of course, you know, they hopefully they remember who you are, who we yeah. are. Um, but um, it's, you know, we don't want to leave anything to chance. And that's why follow up is so important. And it can be it could be anything that's relevant. Like in the conversation, I've had people say to me, you know, I'm interested in this specific subject. And uh, I go up, look on Amazon, find out what the best reviewed books are and say, hey, I don't know if you read or not, but I was on the Amazon thinking about you and this book here, I thought might be something of value. Um, you know, absolutely. Just something like that, because that tells them, oh, okay, this is beyond, it's a little bit more special than, you know, just, hey, give me a price or, or you know, sell me on a commodity. Uh, I love books as a gift too, if they're, if they're really relevant books. Excellent, um, I do too. What, what about current customers versus prospects? What do you think the follow-up, how do you think about follow-ups in a different way between people that you're trying to sell to versus people that have already purchased and you maybe you're looking to do an upsell with them or, or grow the interaction? Yeah, I, I, again, it depends on the industry, but in most outside settings, you know, uh, every couple of weeks to every month is, is fine. You know, you just, you just reaching out, staying on their radar basically. And, and, but again, it has to be something that makes sense, right? Um, a lot of people like fun things too, or funny things, right? So I, I'll find these little quiz games or whatever, and I'll send them out or I'll send out a cartoon, um, you know, that has some humor to it. Now, can't be religious, can't be political, can't be about a spouse, you know, type humor, but there's a lot of really cool little humor out. Um, and, you know, it, it just makes somebody laugh for that day for the moment and they remember you made their day a little better. Absolutely. And, and what about prep? How important it is to be prepared or to have thought through that, that follow-up? How, how unique do these things have to be and how much preparation should you, and, and, and mental overhead should you be, uh, I guess, assigning or investing here? Yeah, prep is key. I mean, it's, you want to think through, a person wants to think through every situation that could happen and, and create, you know, follow-up pieces for that. Because a lot of times it's not that people want, don't want to follow up, it's that they don't have the time to follow up. And part of the reason is they don't know what to say, so they got to recreate it every single time. So, you know, I have follow-up pieces like, you know, 10 different birthday wishes. I have, you know, 10 separate pieces. I'll have, you know, anniversary, I'll have book recommendations, I'll, you know, I'll have uh, relevant things toward the company or the industry, I'll pull reports here and there. So, you know, if you're working within the same industry, it's a lot easier because you can send the same type of content. So, you know, where I deal with all kinds of different industries, you know, it's a little bit more um, labor intensive, you know, but I pay people to do that. So, you know, you can hire a researcher for, you know, $10 an hour, and, you know, go out and get your content, invest 50 bucks and you got everything you really need. So it's that the preparation component for follow-up is key. Otherwise, it'll just get pushed by the wayside. And when that happens, you know, I mean, I've looked at statistic after statistic and whether it's Marketo, HubSpot, Guerrilla Marketing or Salesforce or some other entity, you know, they'll, they'll track these metrics. And, you know, it's all between 60 and 80% of sales that would have happened that don't are lost due to the lack of follow-up. 
that's a pretty crazy number when you when you stop and think about it, right? Like when you <laughs> sixty to eighty percent of deals being lost to to a to poor follow up. And I, I feel like this is something that's really important for people to think about and consider their approach because you know if if that's on average, maybe you're maybe you're better, maybe you're worse. But I mean, it's it, that's a that a number like that really says to me this is something that almost everyone could take a look at. What do you think to zoom out? What do you think the cornerstones are of a of successful follow up? If you wanted to build a a follow up process or program for for yourself as an individual salesperson, or if you're in charge of a team to build it for the team, what what do you think the key things are to be thinking about? How do you how do you approach that problem? Yeah, so the first thing would be okay. What are we actually trying to accomplish through the follow up, right? Um, and understand that the follow up has to be relevant and personalized. Oh, yeah, right. And timely, actually. So those three things are, are key to the situation. So yeah, I'm sure, Steve, you've gotten an email like this, which, you know, a high first name, you know, um, and then they go on to XYZ, right? Because they got you, they've got people in a, in a template. Um, so, you know, high first name is not relevant. <laughs> it's, it's actually rapport breaking. So everything we do is to build rapport and everything we do is to help the client in a win-win fashion. So, you know, you step back and you first say, assess, all right, where are we? What do we usually run across? Um, and how do we put these and weave these into different types of follow-up? And that goes from everything from the mission that we're trying to accomplish, but to the objections that we would likely get in the conversation anyways, you could head all that off with follow-up as well. Um, you know, I have a client that uh, we just put together a pieces uh, follow up for them. And prior to their appointment, they basically send out something that says, here, here's what the appointment's all about. And here's the pricing and everything else. And it's, it's knocking their close rate right out, you know, uh, up through the roof, I should say, because now their salespeople aren't burnt out getting leads that are just leads. They're getting qualified people to talk with and sales ready leads. Well, that, that makes a ton of sense. And I, and I think a great process really uh, can, can go a long way towards, towards uh, really improving your close ratios. Um, what are some ways that uh, salespeople can provide value when they're reaching out? What, what's the, what do you think of as the structure for, for once you've built out a, a, a template for how often you're going to reach out and with, and with, in what, or what platforms and what frequency, how, how do you think about um, kind of on an ongoing basis being a value provider in, in these reach outs? Well, the first thing we have to do is know what value means to them, right? What's the perception of value from that person? Now we can scope in and say, okay, usually in this industry, you know, this is, these are the things that pains, fears, frustrations, what are going on. Um, but there's, there's a professional ROI in, in a sale and there's a personal ROI in a sale and that will attribute to value. So a lot of times people look at the professional ROI, you know, a, a cost reduction or increased profitability or speed to use or something like that, right? Um, but there's always behind every buying decision on a corporate side is always a personal agenda. So what is relevant to that person? Maybe it's uh, job security, maybe it's promotion, maybe it's uh, higher repute in the company, for example, they wanna be you know, featured. Um, whatever that is, that's what you, you know, we should as salespeople 
find that out and that we should build that into our follow-up to that individual. And uh, do you have any like scripts or templates? Like when you, when you think about the actual anatomy of one individual follow-up interaction, what are the key things that you bring in there? And, and I guess you have like an example that you would like to run through. Is the question, what, what do you put in a follow-up piece to make it relevant and, and, uh, and effective? Yeah. Uh, to make it relevant, to make it effective. Like what, what, like the, let's dissect an individual piece of follow-up from your perspective. What needs to be in there? Uh, well, the, the whole purpose of follow-up is, is to create a connection just to continue to build rapport, right? So if it's, if it's something that's in the form of a written form, um, if they know you really well, they'll probably open it. If they don't, they probably won't. So, you know, the first thing out of the, out of the line, I always say, this is the most first important question. What's your headline going to be like, right? Because that's going to either tell them to open it or not open it. Um, you know, I just, prior to our call today, I went up, I deleted 14 emails. I didn't even look at them because the headlines didn't strike me, right? Um, and it's one of those things that we wanna first look at what is gonna get them to actually take the second step. So in, um, sometimes I've used things like uh, what would be deemed as uh, lumpy mail, for example, I'll put some type of uh, thing in a lumpy mail campaign and I'll send it out maybe, uh, you know, um, maybe I'll send out a, a you know a towel, <laughs> right? That has like all these statements on there, and I'll say, hey, you know, um, I came across this thing. We call it the cry crying towel. And anytime your salespeople are whining here, you can hand them the towel, right? Just something like that is enough to to get somebody to go, wow, okay, this is creative, but it's created a connection, and now it's like, okay, the next time I call, you know, I've had people say, oh my God, I love that towel, you know, um, so. It's, it's a matter of creating and, uh, something to create the connection that will get them to consume that connection. And it's different for every, I wouldn't say every person, but you know, um, there's another thing that's important to understand. If, if we're talking to the person and they happen to be a methodical thinker, like, right? If we profiled somebody on the disc or humanistic or whatever it might be, in their mode of communication, we want to use that in our mode of communication. So if they're very methodical and detail-oriented, you want to send a detailed thought-provoking you know, uh, piece. Or when we're having conversations, we want to use statistics and things like that that they like to communicate in. So I build that all in and on the front end uh, when I'm doing this. And you know, without having all of that knowledge, the best thing to do is, is send one piece that's methodical, one piece that's humanistic, one piece that's directive, right? And just keep rotating that because you'll hit them every, every so often with the right piece. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, um, is the lumpy towel, I didn't totally understand that, that example. So what, 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 what do you mean when you say send them a, a lumpy towel? So, so I, I deal with CEOs of companies most of the time, mm -hmm. right? And their number one complaint is my salespeople are not really doing what I want them to do. And they're kind of whiners, right? Um, now, I do ask the CEO this question. Why? Why are they whining? Is it the process in the company? Is it, is it a company issue or, or is it a personnel issue? 
So one of the things uh, with lumpy mail, so lumpy mail is just a package that's not flat, that has some ridges and things to it. People open them all the time because they get them and they go, oh, shoot, you know. Um, you know, I had one guy um, gonna go for retirement and he had a replacement coming in. So I sent him a beach ball and I said, you know, I said, hey, you know, um, have a ball in your retirement, right? And it sounds corny, Steve, for these type of things, or the or the towel, the crying towel, it sounds corny when you when you think about them. But the reality is, it's so different, and it makes people think, and they know that you went the extra mile to to go do that. So what you know, I've literally had CEOs keep those towels right on their desk, and anytime you know the the vice president of sales wants to come in and whine or whatever, they just throw the towel to the VP, right? So it's um, but again, when they're doing that and they feel good about it, guess who they're anchoring the, the good feeling to? Us. Is that answering that question? Oh, yeah, for sure. We uh, at Badger, we once wanted to send, a, send out a whole bunch of mugs and we started like, uh, you know, coffee mugs with our logo on it. We bought a ton of them and then we, we the, the marketing team figured out how hard it was to send a whole bunch of mail to... <laughs> To people, <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, it's hard to take. It takes work to send, and I like. I love the term "lumpy mail." This is great. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and everybody loves presents. Is, everybody loves, oh, loves oh, a yeah. gift in the mail, right? <laughs> and when we get presents from somebody, what do we want to do back? Right? Uh, Through your reciprocity, you want to do something yeah. for them. Yeah, so they accept the gift, um, and and it doesn't have to. It, Here's the key. When, when people do these type of things, don't make it an expensive gift. Like don't send somebody a Rolex, so to speak, right? It's, it's one of those things because then they might construe it as a bribe. And a lot of times in a corporation, people sometimes are not able to even accept gifts over $20. So you make it, um, make it we, I, I sent something called a screaming monkey one time. I sent three or four of them to an office. Um, because when I went into the office, I noticed it was just like people were dying of boredom. So I sent in the screaming monkey and, and, you know, they would take the screaming monkeys, which is just a little toy that you pull the toy and then you let it go and it flies and it screams as it flies. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, just what every office needs, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that it got them all going. You know what I'm saying? I've yeah. sent things like, uh, you know, cakes. You know, you can, you don't have to spend a lot of money on a cake and, you know, Hey, I want to celebrate our anniversary together. You know, it's been a, two years since we've, you know, last, uh, you know, had a, had a conversation, share this with the office. And so again, if you're going to send gifts, remember, um, folks that it's an ROI, right? So you might spend a couple hundred dollars on, on campaigns, but if your average client supports that, then it makes sense makes a ton of sense yeah and, and what about tracking um and measuring the success of your yeah. follow-up so are there other tools you would recommend or how, how would you how do you keep track of uh the follow-ups you've done versus not done so there's in my mind there's two types of follow-up there's kind of the generic overarching follow-up so i'll set up something um for example like holidays right on certain holidays or certain you know fourth of july uh, you know, I, I will tend to send 4th of July emails out. That's a template. And what I'll do is I'll just Google quickly and uh, find out where the fireworks in their area and, and say, hey, I don't know if you go to fireworks or not, but here's the local fireworks in your area. 
I cannot tell you how many people have, have gotten back to me and go, oh my gosh, you know, I wanted the kids to take them to fireworks and I didn't think about this, thank you, right? So tracking is really important because it tells you the story just like we, we, we track our you know, sales conversations, right? It tells us the so story of what's working and what's not working. <clears throat> um, I had a client that uh, sent out an email, for example, Steve, uh, Christmas, and he wrote, Santa is dying. That was the headline. <clears throat> and, um, and then when you open the email, it said to come to Duke's Chowder House, right? <laughs> which is what he owned. <clears throat> and I said to him, I said, how did it go? He go, gee, I got a lot of hate mail out of that one, right? So if we're not tracking or measuring it, then we're not going to know what to do. Now, there are systems out there that will actually tell you open rates, uh, deliverability, you know, on the electronic mediums, um, you know, on the mail, it's expensive if you want to do tracking to find somebody, uh, you know, has received the thing or not. But there's different ways of tracking it. I keep things uh, pretty simple. And when I first started doing this, I would just keep it in a spreadsheet. Okay, this month, I'm going to send this. This month, I'm going to send that. Next month, I'm going to send this. How many responded? you know, check, 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 check. And, you know, then they figure out what parts they responded to. And then, you know, okay, these are the parts they respond to. So those are good follow-up pieces, but it, 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 it'll tell you the story about just like anything else in sales that we track. Ooh, I think you're on mute again, Steve. Oh, I am. Yeah. I've got some background noise. So I keep muting myself here. Um, construction next door, always useful. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, I think it's it's important to keep uh, keep in mind the difference between like a, a, a drip campaign and just kind of the marketing that you're doing to generally the group of people that are in your world versus the follow-up campaign and sequence that you that you have with with someone after you've had a meaningful meeting where there is an opportunity there and you're kind of following a cadence based around that opportunity. Those are kind of two different. I, th I think I think of those as two different things, like my the drip campaign versus the timed, you know, follow up cadence that I that I keep. And, and they are two different things, right? Because one of them is just keeping top of mind. The other thing is driving it to a point of something that we're looking to have done between us. Um, you know, I have people that I haven't talked with in a couple of years, but, you know, I've sent them, you know, a card or I've sent them, you know, a, a little gift in the mail or whatever. And even two years later, you know, they'll say, Hey, you know what? I remember when you sent this card to me. So that's kind of the, the somewhat of the generic personalized stuff. But, you know, if it's something that's doing with the cadence of the sale or doing something with the process of what we're trying to accomplish yeah it's a very different thing than just the generic i mean heck i got i got a, a generic one that's happy chocolate day you know what i mean um so i mean like, happy happy chocolate day is an exciting day i'm, I'm ready to celebrate <laughs> that anytime that and coffee day those are my days yeah, coffee day is, a, is another good one you know because people love that <laughs> Uh, so well, let's do sales in 60 seconds is the next part. It's kind of quick questions, quick answers. So uh, first question, in your opinion, what's the number one mistake salespeople make when it comes to their follow-ups? They don't do it. That's the number one mistake. <laughs> right. 
right? I mean, think about this for a second. I know we're going to keep this short, but you, you go and you have a meeting, right? With somebody, uh, a person, a sales, something selling. They go and have one or two meetings, let's say, right? And then they don't follow up. And then the client doesn't hear from them. And so now the next competitor comes in, but the, the first person has prepped the client on what they want. So they buy from the next person because they haven't had a follow-up. I, I just was on a, on a sales um, training call for a company that, that this was insane. Sales consultants, right? They train sales consultants. And somebody just said on the, on the line, yeah, you know what? I, I missed this $350,000 sale because I didn't follow up. So, you know, and commission being 25%, we can add the numbers up, right? So it was, it was just, you know, that's what happens. So yeah, not doing it is the biggest mistake. Yeah, this is one of those blocking and tackling sales skills that I think is one of the most commonly missed. Um, what about how, how can salespeople avoid coming off as uh, too pushy or annoying when they're following up? Yeah, make it relevant. Make it, make it relevant and valuable. Take a moment and think about it, right? Um, people today, they're bombarded with messages, marketing messages, T, you know, you name it, TV, billboards, you know, we walk in any, you know, go to, go to Times Square in New York and see how many messages you'll get within two minutes, right? You, they're bombarded, so they're saturated with all of these things that are going on. So we have to be able to cut through the clutter and the way we cut through the clutter is making it relevant and personalized. So, you know, I, I, I just uh, did this today, actually, um, uh, two very dear people to me, um, you know, they're, they're hockey fans and one of their favorite hockey players just had a child and the child passed away after five days. So that was the connection point. And people might go, well, geez, that's kind of morbid, right? But I already had a good feeling they knew about this. So I follow up and said, how you doing? right? Um, it was that human to human connection. And it wasn't very long uh, on the on the on the correspondence, but it was relevant. So making it relevant and valuable to them is the key. And what advice do you have to a salesperson who's been following up on an important new opportunity or deal and, and that deal is just kind of on hold and they just they're kind of left there and in follow-up limbo what do, what do you what do you recommend there don't give up don't give up because you know most people will give up i mean you look statistically at follow-up only 13 percent statistically ever follow up more than four times so you just don't give up because sometimes timing truly is a condition not conditional <clears throat> at that point right that time it just it's not going to happen at that time so we just stay in touch with these people. I mean, as I said, I think earlier, you know, the, I spent, uh, you know, two years following up with somebody and, you know, they introduced me to NASCAR, right? So, you know, what was that worth? A lot, right? It was a, it was a great account. So, you know, I know people, who, you know, um, Chet Holmes, for example, when Chet was alive, Chet, Chet used to be a master at this thing. He would follow up for years. And, you know, he told me he got a couple of deals. He, he struck a deal with a man named Tony Robbins. And he told me, he said, Doug, it, it took me 17 years, but we did business together and we made tens of millions of dollars. So the bottom line is that everybody at some point might need what we sell. And 
it's a lot easier to deal with people who know us than people who don't most of the time, you know, um, in a business scenario. So never give up and just keep going, you know, just send it out. I mean, I, I've done that where, you know, it's just, you continuously keep following up. I mean, I, I've got things going on now. <clears throat> and then eventually what happens is a certain percentage of those, Steve, will come back, right? You'll get the call out of the blue. Hey, I was thinking about this timing's right. You're my guy, bam, or, you know? So that never give up. Yeah, it reminds me of a story. I, I when I was uh, still carrying a bag as a salesperson, I got one of my at that time it was my biggest deal ever. And I and I, for my follow ups, I just I would have a I had a spreadsheet and just the you know this is before the days that that uh, CRMs were really good at this sort of thing. But I had a spreadsheet that I would sort by next follow up date. And I, you know every day twenty five customers would come come up and I would give them the, give them a call and say what the next follow up was which needed to be and, and and when it was. And so I would just kind of run through that list. And uh, I sent out, it was a, it was a, just an email. Hey, how you doing? We, you know, to someone that I'd talked to probably two and a half years before and the deal had just been, you know, they never told me no, but they never told me yes either. It was one of those classic, like failed, fail, failure to get the no or the yes situations. Yeah. And, uh, and I just kind of sent out that, that email tickler probably two weeks before the end of the quarter. And they got back like, yeah, Actually, uh, this is, this has been on our list of stuff to do, and we have the, the budget this quarter if we can knock this thing down. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we can. <laughs> so. Yes, we can. Yeah, so that, it, it, we got it done. So it was, that, that was my biggest uh, that was my biggest deal uh, to date as a well at, at that point in my sales career, and it was just a random follow up. Um, what would you say the, uh, the greatest sales lesson that you've learned over the years is? Be truthful. Really, when it comes down to it, not honest. Honest is subjective. You know, honest, oh, hey, I'm late because the traffic was, was you know, really heavy. Um, and that's the reason. But the real reason was you slept in at half an hour, right? I, you know, and, th and then the traffic was heavy. And that's why we're late. So truthful is, hey, look, I overslept and just tell them straight out. You know, a lot of people are like, whoa, geez, I wouldn't do that. Well, guess what? If they catch you lying at anything, it doesn't matter what it's about. If they catch a person lying about something, it drops the whole trust factor or diminishes the trust factor in a big way. And people prefer to buy things off people that they trust far more off of anything else. And you know, um, being truthful sometimes, you know, even in like that situation, you know, it's not like they've never overslept, so they don't understand what happened, right? So it's, um, I would say be truthful at any turn. Um, and the reason behind that is there's an authenticity in that, that people can't seem to, you know, because when people are buying from somebody, you know, the old adage, a sales manager and two sales guys go into a you know, into account and the buyers saying, okay, I might have one honest guy out of the three, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, they have perception a lot of times. And so the more that we're truthful, the, the, the easier it is to communicate and you never have to worry about what you say. Yeah. I think a lot of people are so defensive when things aren't perfect or when things go wrong, especially. And, and I think being, being truthful is, is really the, the best policy. Like the, the, even, even if it really was just because the traffic that made you late, then it's, 
the, the answer to why you're late is not because traffic may be late. The answer is because I failed to account for the, that there traffic. could be traffic. And it's right. like, and, and I live in the city, obviously, or I've, I've I've traveled the city before. I know there could be traffic and I should have accounted for it and put into Google Maps and, you know, figured out what it, what it was going to look like, you know, at this time of day, what's the traffic going to be and, you know, planned around it. And I think that it's it's important to um, think about stuff like that and, and, and you know, not be defensive, but be truthful and, 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 and place the blame where the blame is deserved, which is yeah, always, and, always on your shoulders. <laughs> totally, because you're the one, you know, we're the ones initiating the relationship usually, right? And so, you know, also be truthful about if it isn't the right thing for the person, right? Uh, don't sell something. That would be my advice. Don't sell something that's not right and it's not a win-win fit because it will come back most times in haunt the salesperson or bite the salesperson. You might make a one-time commission, but you lose a lifetime client of repeat buying. And many people go from company to company to company to company. So it's not hard to get, you know, five or six repetitive sales throughout somebody's career. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so many field salespeople, especially, uh, stay in the same industry over and over again. You know, they, they, I am a dental salesperson. I sell to dentist offices in this market. And right. you know, I've done it for six companies over the last 30 years. Um, yep. So as an actionable takeaway, what should the field salespeople listen today do as a first step towards getting started on following up more effectively with their customers and prospects? Well, create three little simple follow-up pieces, just three, one text, one email, one phone call that we're going to make, let's say, or a voicemail drop, right? I like voicemail drops because you can use an automated software to actually send them out. You know, they get delivered in there overnight and they're in their voicemail. Um, you know, I, just something as simple as that or, or a LinkedIn post, email, and, uh, you know, uh, a text message. And just start connecting with people. It doesn't, you know, it could be like, you know, the gent you were talking about, you hadn't been more, you know, two years, two and a half years or whatever. <clears throat> It could be something like, hey, you know what? I, I know we haven't talked in a while. My life, got, my, I can tell you my life's been extremely busy. I, I bet yours is too. Um, and, you know, we sort of lost track of one another and I'd like to reconnect. Would you be open to that? It could just be something as simple as that. It does not have to be something that's razzle dazzle. Um, you know, I have uh, a lot of times when I'm dealing with clients, um, you know, timing's not right, right at the moment, kid. You know, that that's still a, I don't, I don't care what level of sales we're at, whether we're dealing with, you know, Boeing or we're dealing with, you know, some some smaller company. And I have just short follow-up pieces. Hey, it's been three weeks since we talked. I was just thinking about you. You know, let me know when you're ready to talk again. Something as simple as about that. And then, hey, that's automated. And then two months from now, it's automated, right? And so, it doesn't have to be complicated and then you can build upon there. And then the second thing I would do is I'd look at the scenarios that they're going to run up against. They know every single time where they need follow-up. If we have a first meeting, you better have a follow-up piece, right? I mean, it's just, it's just common courtesy and people expect follow-up. Um, and worse yet, in some cases, they don't expect follow-up so that when you do, you're actually standing out. And, and, the, and the third thing is, it's just once a week, create three new pieces because you know if you did it over 26 weeks or 30 weeks you'll have 90 follow-up pieces 
And it doesn't take that long to create them. You can create follow-up pieces. You know, if you just blocked a half an hour a week out, you could create all your follow-up pieces without question. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to try to summarize some of the wisdom that you've given us today here. So first of all, without follow-ups, you break rapport and you lose sales. So follow-ups are really important. Doug encourages salespeople to create templates for each of their follow-ups and to customize them for each client and situation. Use different follow-up methods depending on the client's preference. So sometimes phone is best, sometimes text message, sometimes email. Try a, different, try a few different follow-up methods for each client so that you have a greater chance of getting a response. Follow up with your qualified prospects quickly and work to stay top of mind with them. Doug also recommends a 21-day cadence to get uh, a meeting with most prospects. Follow up with clients as long as it's relevant and you can provide value. Look into their interests and see where you can provide value with those interests that, and be in line with those interests. Preparation is very important when following up. Collect templates with common messages or resources for your clients so that you can effectively send follow-ups. Follow-ups should be customized, follow-ups should be timely, and follow-ups should be relevant. Those are kind of the three things to keep top of mind. Work to understand what value means to your prospects so that you can include the best information in your follow-ups. A great follow-up needs a great headline or subject line that captures their attention, and it, it needs something to connect over in your follow-up message to help build that relationship. So you want to connect with them. Try sending small gifts. Um, he called them lumpy packages <laughs> as opposed to a flat piece of mail. Uh, and everybody likes to get a lumpy package, right? So, so think about sending a small gifts or a token of uh, uh, that shows your personality and, 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 and invite your clients to kind of get involved with you. Uh, track your follow-ups so that you know that if they're effective or not. So keep an eye, you, you know, try to keep track of where did I follow up? If I didn't follow up, what, what was the result? If you can do that in your CRM, sometimes you can track that sort of thing. Well, this has been really, really great uh, information on a really important topic, I think, Doug. Where can our listeners read more about your work? How can they reach out to you and engage with you? Yeah, they can go to, the if they want to see my website, it's uh, businesssuccessfactors.com. Um, my LinkedIn profile is Doug Brown 1234 uh, I have a book out there called Win-Win Selling, How to Unlock the Power of Profitability by Resolving Objections. They can find that at winwinsellingbook.com. Or if they just want to call the company or email me, it's doug at businesssuccessfactors.com or 603-595-0303. Well, this has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. Doug, I really appreciate you coming on, on the show and, and teaching us these things. Um, if, if anybody out there works in field sales, you'll love Badger Maps. The number one route planner helps you sell 20% more, driving 20% less. You can get a free trial at badgermapping.com today. And if you can think of any other sales reps that would benefit from learning these skills, definitely share the love and forward this on to them. Take care until next time, everybody. <laughs>